thank you for joining us today on Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Hey, learn from the experts, guys. This is free land education, hard to find out there. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant, broker, owner with Land Pro Real Estate, along with my co-host, Teresa Martin. Our new office is at 207 East Main Street in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. We also serve all of your real estate needs in western Piedmont, North Carolina, and southern Virginia. Just give us a shout, guys. We'll help you out. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. Their site is www.rli for Realtors Land Institute, www.rliland.com, www.rliland.com. Now listen to me, if you're interested in investing in land or farms or selling land and farms, go to this website. We have over 2,000 RLI members around the country, and there's about 600 accredited land consultants, and we know how to play the game. We'll save you money if you're buying, we'll make you more money if you're selling. So jot that site down and use it. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land is the place to be. And we also have a new sponsor, which is uh, Acre Value. Today's sponsor is Acre Value. If you want to know who owns that field down the road or who sold it last year, the best place to research land, for, and it's all free, is acrevalue.com. We'd like to welcome our guest this morning, George Baird. He's an AFM, and he'll tell you what these acronyms are, an AAC and ALC like myself. And he's with the Landmark Ag Capital, LLC. Welcome, George. Hey, good morning. Or good afternoon. How are you doing today? You're doing fine. It's good morning. It's okay. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long day. Feels I like know. It's okay. Uh, it's broadcast on Saturday mornings from 10 to 11. George grew up in the cotton farm of Su- uh, in Sunflower County, Mississippi, with dreams of becoming a farmer like his father and grandfather. His course changed as he graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Economics from the Mississippi State University in 1993. After graduating, George worked for Farmers National Company in Memphis, Tennessee, one of our favorite companies, for nice years before co-founding Baird and Brunson Land Management Group, LLC, with the partner Steve Brunson in 2001. In 2021, George founded Landmark Ad Capital, LLC, located in Arlington, Tennessee, more recently, more recently, Landmark Ag and People's Company announced a strategic partnership known as Landmark Ag Holdings, which expands People's Company's reach deeper in the Delta. And by the way, if you'll refer back to podcast 185 uh, with Joel King, uh, who is uh, part of People's Company, you'll learn about them as well. George has an accredited farm management, that's the AFM designation, the uh, accredited ag consulting, which is the AAC designation, and with the ASFMRA is currently working towards his accredited land consultant, ALC designation that I cherish, and 559 others with Realtors Land Institute. Holding real estate license in Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee, George represents landowners and managing their land and buying and selling a farmland. His wide range of clientele include everyone from the sole farm owner to large investment companies. 
With a member of the Million Dollar Sales Club since 2002, George Pertuzzi's professional accomplishments was achieved in 2006 when he was selected for our Manager of the Year with the uh, Synagenta Ag Professional Magazine and the ASFMRA. Specialties are 1031 tax exchange, ag investment analysis, agricultural land, agriculture marketing, agriculture policy and analysis, agriculture production, commodities marketing, complete farm management service, contract negotiation, corn, milo, rice, soybeans, wheat, cotton, farmland acquisitions, auctions, auctions, leases and sales, investments, land use planning, property development management, real estate auction and sale brokerage, financing loan investments, soils of land, wetland, ditching issues, wildlife, and habitat. George, is there anything you don't do? <laughs> I'm trying to cover all the bases anymore. But, well, uh, I mean, in, the, in this world that we live in, you have to kind of uh, be able to play zone defense and handle a lot of different things that are coming at us and on behalf of our landowners and investors that we work with on a daily basis. Well, I must say, you're the 191, 191st podcast, and I haven't interviewed anyone that can do all the things you do. So this is going to be an interesting show. So you guys, and by the way, uh, if you're not driving, uh, go to his website, which is uh, landmarkag.net, landmark, M-A-R-K, ag.net. So follow along with us. So what makes you get up in the morning, George? So I, when I get up in the morning, I get excited about representing landowners. Um, back when I started in this business, I did an internship in 93. I really didn't have an understanding of what professional farm management was. And growing up on a farm, my, my, my life goal was to always go home, you know, go to college, go home, get a four-door truck and farm with my father. And due to circumstances with the farm crisis in the late 80s, that didn't happen. And uh, so I started trying to find what's my next avenue to, to you know, go through college and, and stay within their culture. And it wasn't until my final year of college, my summer right before I graduated in December of 93, that I was exposed to professional farm management. Prior to that, it was always farm management as, you know, on-site farm management, but didn't have an understanding of what, you know, absentee land ownership meant to American uh, farming, you know, the percentage of people who, who owned, who didn't farm, and just had never been exposed to that. And in that summer internship with Farmers National is where I found my passion, working with landowners, and especially working with landowners and absentee landowners, one, to help them meet their goals and objectives, and then two, because I was still, I guess, in a lot of sense, trying to do that myself, protect that family heirloom, protect that way of life for landowners. So that's what excites me i like working with the you know with the larger institutional investors but day to day i really love working with uh, individual landowners who are trying to protect their family assets and and, and and protect their family heirloom i just got here can you say all of that over <laughs> Teresa? you'll have to listen to the show uh, you'll have to go to spotify podbeam or the website but George, uh, uh, we just got him introduced, and um, and trying to find out 
what this is all about. And it's amazing all the different things that he's involved in. And uh, what, what's going on? What's going on with farms? G- give us a little bit of what's what what your experience in the past and where we are now. And can you talk about the future? Because there's some interesting things uh, evolving here around the world pertaining to um, farm and farm products. Farm management, I'm sure, is important. Um, you know the genetics, and of course your soils and your herbicides and your pesticides and fertilizers. You know that's in a unique situation as well. Uh, do you mind addressing that for our audience? Yeah, I was, I was actually thinking a lot about that over the last few days. Uh, um, you know, farm management has changed a lot over the years. You know, 20 years ago or 20-plus years ago, you know, it was more about drainage and developing land for leveling and irrigation to maybe bring on additional crops, you know, maybe converting a dry land farm to rice. You know, and, and then it was about just you know, good tenant selection and lease structure. You know, those are basically four or five principles, a lot of other little parts to that, but that's what the core was about. Today, though, as you move forward 20 years, it's about so much more. It's about conservation. It's about, you know, you know navigating all the USDA programs from EQIP and CSP and WRE, you know, wetlands reserves or conservation security program contracts. It's about carbon that's about entertaining ideas for solar development, you know, carbon sequestration, regenerative ag, sustainability, all the ESG movement. There's so many more things involved in what farm management is today versus what it was. And it uh, keeps us keeps us on the toes, and it's exciting to continue to learn and grow. And, and landowners are, are constantly asking farm managers and consultants all those questions because they they want to be involved on some level but they need you know experts experts like like us to help them navigate those all these different things that are flying at them at at a high rate of speed you know climate change um gmo technology you know gmo technology just so many things are are coming at us at uh, (laughs) an increasing rate of speed and that is exciting and, and challenging all at the same time. What's the farmer's future right now? Either the small ones or the big ones. Seems like everything else, the big ones gobble up the little ones. And we have age issues too. Uh, you know, the uh, average age of a farmer. And then who's going to take over the farm for inheritance purposes? Uh, who's going to run the farm? It seems to me that the services that you provide and your company provides, and now with people, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, the merger but or acquisition. But um, uh, what's the future of the farmers in the next, you know, 24 months, 36 months, in, in your your opinion? Yeah. yeah, it's going to be very exciting and very challenging all at the same time. Um, there's so many things on that, are, that are pressing issues of the day, you know, interest rates, high input costs. Commodity price volatility, you know, even you take you know, things that are, you know, two weeks ago when basis were good because the river, the Mississippi River, which we're pretty close to, is up a lot higher. Now, all of a sudden, it's falling out, and we see dollar basis under. So, you know, that completely changes everything. There's so many issues at, at bay, but we're also seeing better genetics, you know, increase in equipment increase in efficiency, 
higher yields. And so at the same time, while there's challenges that we have to navigate, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think that is unfortunately going to, it's going to weed out a few people, uh, but it's also going to create some opportunity for people to grow. I'm also seeing, um, have seen in the last few years, which is exciting, and I haven't seen that in some time, is some younger guys coming into to farming. You know, maybe not not at 20, but guys that had started working with uh, larger producers when they got out of college or were over the last several years that are now coming in the mid to later 20s, that they're getting opportunities because of the guys they're working with. They're willing to back them, you know, with equipment, with some, some uh, knowledge, and, and sometimes even financially a little bit help some new younger guys get out there and grow and I can tell you that some of my younger guys are, are, are I mean they get me really excited to work with because they have an attitude that they can't afford to sell and they love working with uh, with people like you know, with managers consultants because they are trying to find those partnerships to help bring some level of experience and knowledge from other you know, from other experiences I've had or other people have had so they can help navigate this uh, these turbulent times as well. So that's been super exciting. I've got a couple young guys I've worked with in recent years that I put them as well next to anybody as far as their drive and willingness to grow and learn and, and are trying to excel at, uh, at this game of farming and agriculture. Well, you know, we're always interested in, in the young the young generation in, in farm programs, and we've had several on the, the 4-H clubs and the Young Farmers of America and the American Federation of Farm Management and, and appraisal, uh, national president. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's a big concern. Uh, uh, we had a professor. I don't know if I lost you out completely. I heard farm generation, younger, pro, younger people, but I've been stopped. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, we're always interested in the younger generation and, you know, the opportunities for them. And, you know, and I think yes, professional organizations like yours and the expertise can be the guidelines. And that's why I want them to go to your website, landmarkag.net, landmarkag.net, because there's a lot of information there. And, uh, hey, we'd like to thank our sponsors today, landhub.com. Land of your dreams, landhub.com is one of my favorite sites. I do a lot of business with them. And our other sponsor, acrevalue.com, if you want to know who owns the field down the road or what is sold last year, the best place to research land all for free is agvalue.com. George, I would like for you to tell me a little bit about this accredited farm manager designation and the accredited ag consulting designation. Those are interesting to me, and I'd like to know more about those. I didn't hear anything. That's okay. Just she wants to know what the accredited foreign management and the uh, accredited ag consulting designations, what those mean and what 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 are they about? Yeah, the uh, the accredited farm manager designation as well as the accredited ag consulting designation are designations provided or you know given by the American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. Uh, it actually I guess sort of a sister or cousin to Realtors Land Institute, uh, I think there's actually a fast track that a fast track program that if you have an AFM, you can fast track into an ALC designation, and if you have an ALC, you can also fast track 
provides you know in a in a like manner with the accredited farm manager designation. And many of the many of members of American Society of Farm Managers Rural Appraisers are also uh, you know accredited or members of Realtors Land Institute. But uh, accredited farm manager designation is a is a series of classes and education you go through along with experience that uh, you provide a certain level of competency. I believe I earned my AFM designation back in 1997, I believe is when I did that. And uh, in management, probably the, one of the biggest difference in the management aspect of it was management in the in its career sense, it means you have the fiduciary responsibilities to the landowner, that you take care of everything dealing with that property from A to Z in the owner's best interest. And that's typically an ongoing, you know, management contract year to year or for several years at a time versus consulting may be designated or more designed for coming in for a specific amount of time and handling various activities. Like earlier this year, I got into some consulting more around some, uh, in fact, not even more, a lot around solar and opportunities working, helping landowners navigate some solar, some solar opportunities they were they were weighing out. Um, and so, over the years, we've seen kind of a, I have seen more of a shift, not a shift, but continued need for farm management in the full scope of services that we provide there. But I'm also seeing a different level where owners are wanting you know, somebody with some specialty to come in and, and troubleshoot or handle certain, certain you know, one-off type pro uh, projects. Maybe it's carbon sequestration and they're trying to navigate that. Maybe it's, uh, you know, ESG, climate change, carbon credits. They're getting hit with so much. And if somebody's not there to represent them, whether that's under a full management contract, maybe they're looking for more consulting. So I reached out a few years ago and started, uh, and that's when I joined Realtors Land Institute, started working on my LC designation, and then this past year received my AAC designation, which is the Accredited Ag Consulting designation with American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. How is solar and wind and carbon affecting the farmers, and how do they feel about it? Yeah, those are the, those tend to be the hot topics uh, currently. Solar has been huge in the Mid-South over the last uh, 12 months. Starting to pick up some pockets on wind energy, and so I'm having to kind of educate myself there. That has not been as prevalent uh, in the Mississippi Delta, although it's becoming more so. Getting a lot of, lot of uh, questions about regenerative ag and sustainability. Uh, you know, those are big buzzwords that you hear all the time. Yeah, what is that? Uh, in fact, just a few weeks ago, I had a landowner contact me and said, "We need to, you know, we need to get into regenerative ag." Well, so, well, the first thing we need to do is define what regenerative ag means. Is it just carbon? You know, are we just talking about sequestering carbon? Carbon? Is it? Is it uh, going no-till? You know, is, is it? talking about cover crops like what is it and uh, nobody's really defined that I actually just read a survey earlier today that said only 38% of the people they've surveyed 
had even some remote understanding of what regenerative ag is. And even then, most believe it was just about sustainability. It wasn't about, you know, a number of other things. So trying to help people navigate that. You know, and it's not just individual landowners. Investors come to the table with a whole lot of uh, expertise and specialties in maybe investment analysis, land acquisition, portfolio construction, you know, permanent crops, uh, you know, traditional crops. But maybe they need, you know, they're looking for somebody to assist them in some of these uh, these new ways. You know, maybe it's water rights, something we really haven't had to concern ourselves with much in the Mid-South, but we're seeing those those things grow, especially out West, where, where the droughts are surely causing some problems. So I think uh, we're going to continue to see with a, new, with a new level of ownership from the institutional investor and with a transfer of wealth to the next generation for more traditional landowners, we're going to see people not only needing full management service, but also consulting services to help them navigate some of these some of these issues. You know, and it seemed, used to be, I don't know, 10 years ago, we had to face a new, a new something, you know, a new, a new issue would come up every, you know, three years, five years, you know, some, you had a long period of time. Now it seemed like every, you know, every quarter we're coming up with something new that we're having to face. And so it's just a, and, that, and that's fun getting to work with, with landowners and investors to try to target those special needs that they're after. Tell you, I've probably spent, you know, if you look back over the years, at one time I was probably 70%, you know, 65, 70% real estate. I mean, I'm sorry, consulting management and 25% real estate, maybe 5% consulting. And over the last two or three years, it feels like that my management's moved more to that 50 to 60% real estate's more than 20%, and the balance would be consulting, and that continues to be growing and growing on a on a you know monthly or quarterly basis even. Okay, so what do you do in the role of a real estate agent through the ag? Re- what is what was it the regenerative ag? Yeah. Like, how, what's how our role? Right? What yeah. I've done and specialized over the years is is being more of a buyer's agent. Uh, I'm not traditionally out there because I'm managing you know close to twenty five thousand acres. I'm not actively out there seeking listings and doing more of a traditional listing service. But I am very active in more of the as as working as a buyer's agent, you know to to identify properties, procure procure properties, and work with them through the whole due diligence process. And sometimes that includes moving moving that relationship into a full property management mode. But oftentimes it's just it's just helping them target you know properties in our little pocket of the world. We like to call the Mid South, or more specifically, the you know the Mississippi River Delta area, uh, up and down. Uh, you know, never really more than 120 miles from Memphis. So it's, it's targeting those properties that fit whatever parameter they want. Uh, it, it may be, you know, rice, soybean production, and, and some you know, with with uh, surface water in certain markets, you know, around Arkansas. It may be moving to more of the class one and two soils that give us a lot of diversity 
with our crop mix from cotton, corn, maybe even peanuts, potatoes. Uh, that tends to be a growing area. So it's just that's where I tend to focus focus my activity over the year when I'm working on the real estate side of it. And I've done a lot of, in my consulting role on the real estate side, have done a lot of due diligence work uh, with individual landowners and buyers over the years that maybe they had already procured a property or had one under contract, but they were working simply with an agent and not somebody who, who maybe had more of the management and consulting background that could that could dig into the specifics on you know, that you have to get into with due diligence from finding the right contractors to work with from, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, an irrigation contractor, surveyor, you know, drainage specialist, something like that. So uh, it's it's been exciting over the years just to see that, that end of it grow. Well, I suppose that you have to have some kind of farm background because if, if you don't, you're not going to know anything about any of this even if you take these designations it's not going to be helpful if you don't have experience right yes ma'am <clears throat> yeah experience is, is everything you can get a lot of uh, a lot of letters but you have to have some activity behind that to really prove your worth in the market and so uh, i feel like i guess this is my 29th crop year um, working in in the mid-south and have never really never really thought about anything else did think about trying something else one other time and was even offered a job but as I was driving around looking for an office space I basically started crying I, could, I couldn't get out of ag of what I knew and what I loved I worked too hard to get to get where I was and needed to continue on right so uh, so how do how do farmers how, that way? how do farmers feel about the solar and the wind I mean are they excited about it or are they turned off by it? Can they still farm their land? Um, you know, how how is it affecting them? You know, it's it's changed a lot in the last three five years. Five years ago, if you told somebody about solar, that was no, you know, don't want to talk about it, don't want to think about it. You know, you're you're blowing smoke. Uh, but it's, that's kind of changed. Some of that started coming on. You know, a year or two ago, when we were seeing eight dollar beans and you know eight thirty beans and three and a three twenty five, three fifty corn, people started looking for alternatives, and so they're starting to take it more into stride. We are seeing, and it's just popping up here recently. We're starting to see quite a few solar facilities be constructed, and so I've been contacted. I'm working on three right now, and have entertained two more this year solar lease opportunities and so i'm just i'm just trying to help the landowners walk through you know with our attorney and, and other professionals you know what it means to them long term doing the, the investment analysis really talking about the impact of the land um and kind of helping them think through what they want for their family and, and maybe it, it fits for some like I, i'm working with a client now that their core property is is a good distance away from their from where this additional property they bought is, and as they get older, they're thinking maybe that is a good opportunity. Separate this kind of gives us a, a you know a risk mitigation. It gives us another avenue of income, and if I can spin off you know tens of millions of dollars to my family over the next 
40 years, that, that changes a lot of things, for, especially for, you know, rural families across, you know, uh, Arkansas and places like that. So they're considering it. They're slow to act. Very, you know, we're, we're really digging and trying to understand the details and ins and outs of what the legalities of it are. And so while I'm not a specialist, it's all I am working with specialists who can help us navigate all those different avenues to help the landowner understand what that is. Now, the wind, you know, that's something we see on TV if you're here or as I've traveled across the Midwest, but we've never really seen much play on, on wind in, across the Delta where I operate almost exclusively. That is coming at a little bit more of a, they're a little more standoff on that. You know, and so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the next, or if it evolves at all, I have my doubts, but, but, you know, it's, you know, if, if they contact me or if they contact the landowner and she, he or she contacts me, then it's my job to get with that solar or wind guy, really try to learn the ins and outs, you know, ask the hard questions, help define what is and what isn't, you know, get past uh, some of the myths and get down to reality of if it's something that the landowner wants. And I think there will be some some that take it up. There already are some, but I think there will be some that, that also are just not interested. They're more interested in protecting not just the land as just holding land, but protecting that land as a family heirloom that they can remember, right. you know, riding the cotton picker with their grandfather or running down the turn road or playing ball out in the field, something like that. So it's... Uh, it's just our job to help them navigate and find out what's best for them. But we have to be willing to ask the, the right questions and the hard questions and dig, dig deep in a lot of cases. Sure. Right. Our guest today is George Baird with Landmark Ad Capital. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com, viewing properties all over the country, LandHub.com. And we also would like to thank our sponsor, AcreValue.com. If you want to know who owns the field down the road, or what sold last year, go to acrevalue.com. It's free. So, George, uh, something interesting has happened here in a while. People's Company announces partnership with Landmark Ag Capital, expanding its services offering in the Mississippi Delta. This is a press release from Jonesboro, Arkansas. People's Company, a leading provider of land brokerage and land management and land investment and appraisal services, announced a strategic partnership with Landmark Ag Capital and its owner, George E. Baird IV, who is our guest today, which expands the People's Company reach deeper into Mississippi Delta region. Landmark Ag Capital, which is based just outside Memphis in Arlington, Tennessee, has significant experience in Arkansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee. Tell us what, a, what why that happened and what's this all about. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, shortly after I started Landmark Act Capital, I was approached uh, by Molly Zaver uh, about the opportunity to maybe work with with uh, People's Company. And having just started my, my company, I wasn't necessarily interested in going to work directly for People's Company. But we continued to talk, and I said, there has to be a way. And I'd never met Molly or Steve or any of the other leadership of People's Company. But there's got to be a way we could work together, collaborate, strategic partnership in some form, uh, because they have investors and people they work with who are wanting to be 
you know, have a presence in the Mid-South. They had properties, but not a lot of properties that maybe it justified a full management team or management person to get. So we continued to to talk it through. I think we had two or three meetings, a number of Zoom meetings, and just it finally got to a point that we had to decide, you know, what was the best thing to do. And together we decided that maybe a strategic partnership or alliance would be would be the best route. And I can tell you, it immediately paid off. I've worked directly with, with Joel King and the team uh, out of Jonesboro on some real estate activities. I'm managing, uh, have managed a few properties and I manage some properties now for People's Company. And we're continuing to do and work as far as uh, in some roles of consulting with groups that are looking to, you know, dive or, or do a deeper dive into the Mid-South and the Delta region. Those are the kinds of things that, as a as a small shop, I wouldn't necessarily get to do, but I could bring my expertise and knowledge of the market area and, and collaborate with People's Company, who has a, a U.S. nationwide presence, and, and we can create some synergies just like that. Uh, and it's been a it's been a great partnership. I don't know if I've ever been to Iowa as many times in 12 months as I have <laughs> over the last 12 months. Right. I'm looking forward to going some more. But it's, it's interesting to learn, to get to know different people, get to learn about their different experiences. And, in fact, just uh, last week, the Delta team and Landmark Ag, uh, we hosted, uh, I guess, over 50 people from the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest, all with People's Company, as they came to the Mid-South and, and learned about, uh, I guess, if you had to sum it up in five themes last week, it would have been rice, cotton, barbecue, catfish, and good music. And we had a great time just, you know, getting to know each other better and collaborating and just riding around, uh, you know, the Mid-South, learning more about Mid-South Ag and what that means to not only, you know, the, the consumer, and uh, but also what it, what it could mean to us as a company as we work together uh, and build, build a brand together. Well, that sounds pretty exciting. just recently took on uh, we interviewed Landgate and one of our new sponsors is Acre Value. Have you used either of those platforms for anything? I heard you mention Landgate. I didn't hear the other one. I'm sorry. Acre Value. Uh, I'm trying to get a little bit more up to speed with the Landgate platform. I know uh, Landgate is working directly some with with People's Company and uh, just some other Consulting projects I've had going on over the last few months. I haven't been able to really deep dive in that, but I'm trying to. But I do know there. It looks like some exciting technology and something I want to learn a little bit more about. And I'm sorry I didn't hear the other platform you were talking about. Acre Value, Acre Value, who oh. is one of our sponsors. Yeah. that one's a good yeah, one I've, too. I've done. I have looked in. I've actually had a subscription to Acre Value for a while and, and looked into some of their their land ownership stuff. Um, you know, in properties, 
some good technology. I think there's some areas, but it's it's more on the service end to, that are feeding them the information that maybe that some counties in Arkansas aren't as quick to update their records so that information is not feeding up as quick, but there is a lot of good information that uh, is derived from Baker Value and Landgate and as well as others. What are, are, are you using any of the other source, uh, sources out there? Sorry, Mr. Jewell, I didn't hear that. It's okay. That's all right. He said, are you using any other of the resources out there, any other sources that we're not familiar with any other platforms that you're using I still haven't heard anything okay. I haven't moved okay yeah I'm sorry we're, <laughs> well, we're having some technical yes, difficulties we and we apologize to our audience <laughs> it's very right. rare well, I, I heard all of that are there are there any other uh, sites out there or, or sources that you use that we um, we might be helpful for other listeners other than uh, Acre Value and um, Landgate? I tell you, one of the, one of the uh, services I use daily, if not multiple times a day, is MapRite. I, I find their technology really good. And then there's uh, you know local sources, but MapRite would probably be the one technology I re- right. rely on more than any. You know, not only from their desktop platform, but also their mobile platform uh, and technology that's built into that. So they, they're really helpful, you know, in, in whether it's uh, ownership search, tools, topos, transmission lines, solar opportunities, you know, aquifers, wetlands. You know, you can name it, and it just goes on and on. Uh, but those, those, all those sites are very helpful. We're... We're coming into the end of 2022. Is there anything upcoming in 2023 that concerns you? Uh, everything. Everything. Yeah. Me too. You know, it's, I was talking to an operator just a few days ago about this. And there's there's so much uncertainty. You know, we have input prices. You know, you have commodity prices. While they're real strong, you know, there's a lot of volatility just alone. Say on cotton, we're seeing that went down 25% in the last 60 days, 20%, something like that. You know, then you look at the weather volatility, you know, you know, input costs, interest rates, all of these things come together. Any one of those things could, could, flip, the, could flip the script on somebody. You know, interest rates going from, you know, sub 3% to close to 7% or 6% completely changes the narrative. You know, input costs, you know, going up 40, 50% changes the narrative. So if, so think about this. If we have interest rates go up another 10, 15%, you have input costs hold the same or even move higher, you know, based on, you know, influencers from the war in the Ukraine and everything. And any weather volatility, which is something we experience year in, year out in the Mid-South, and then you have the market. Certainly, if market prices were to fall while all those other things rise or tensions rise, you could see some real – there could be some real issues on the street or, or in the field pretty quick if all of, if any two or three of those things come together at, this, at the wrong time. You know, now, there's also – with volatility and uncertainty, it becomes opportunity as well, opportunity for – Professionals like y- y'all, uh, 
uh, and I and members that are listening, you know, within the RLI and American Society of Farm Managers or appraisers, there's some opportunity for us to step in and fill in the gap and help landowners, investors navigate some of these these volatile times. And there's going to be opportunities, you know, for us to maybe buy land for for landowners and investors. And maybe it's not necessarily a, a farmer who is on hard times as getting out. Maybe it's somebody who's looking for a capital partner to come in and bring in land, and they can bring in equipment expertise and grow their their pool. So while there's a lot of choppy waters we have to navigate, there are going to be some opportunities for uh, professionals to step in and really help landowners and and, and operators alike uh, navigate some of these waters ahead. Do you see any potential for sale leaseback programs? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Do you see any potential for sale leaseback programs? Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind doing the leaseback program at all. I think uh, where people have to be a little bit cautious is, is if you get a leaseback that's not in line with the market. And we've seen some of those over the years where you know, the leaseback was inflated just to inflate the return, inflate the price. So um, not to say that that is always bad, but I'm going to be always cautious of those leasebacks to make sure it's within some kind of market you know, market uh, arena. Can you explain the lease back a little bit to help me understand that? Can you explain the sale lease back for Teresa so she can understand it a little better? Yeah, for example, uh, let's say you have a 100-acre farm that you, you've owned and, and you're needing to uh, maybe – Get out of that farm, release a little equity, you know, shore up your books, make sure you can, you know, continue to farm for the next year. Maybe it's a thousand acres. So you put it on the market, say the average lease for that area might be $200 an acre, but you're willing to lease that back at 250 or $300 an acre. And if you were looking at, you know, just a, say if somebody was looking at a three and a half percent cap rate and you're offering, an extra $50 an acre, they could justify paying, you know, another $1,400 an acre for it. So, yeah, you might do a three-year lease back at 250 when the market's really two and, and entice somebody to pay you another $1,400 more an acre to, to, to get that return. My concern is what happens when you come out of that three-year lease back. You know, and maybe the market fixes it. Now the market at the end of three years is, is 300 or 350, but it's more likely going to be something lower. And will that buyer be able to continue to, to rent that farm at something close to that price when you come out of that, that three or two year period lease back? So I don't mind the lease back, but I want to make sure it's, it's reasonable and within a market range and not inflated just to inflate some kind of return uh, for the landowner. George, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I heard you. So over the years, land prices, farmland prices, you know, I'm in a, I've been a member of RLI since 1998. So, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, of course, my local market. But land prices, especially in the, uh, in, the, in the central part, the big growing area, the corn area, and I'm sure in your area too, I mean, 
prices used to be three, four thousand dollars an acre. Then it went to six to eight thousand. Then it went to ten. And now it's some property, some farms or land is twenty thousand an acre. In the next twenty five or thirty months or the next couple of years, what usually happens in in a, in a downturn economy? Does land prices stabilize? Do they decrease? Have you seen in your period land prices uh, decreasing in value, or are they stabilized? Yeah, you know, I think uh, what I've seen in, re- in recent years or recent cycles is, uh, is that because of the high input costs or high development cost of properties, <clears throat> excuse me, I think in the short term, hold on one second, <clears throat> in the short term, we're going to see those A-quality properties hold within, you know, 3%, you know, give or take of, of kind of where the current market highs, which in our market are, are nothing close to the Midwest. We're, we've seen a few sales in and around that $7,000 an acre mark on tillable, more being closer than that 58 to 65 but And we're starting to see some, some offerings at, you know, 75 to 8000 I think some of what's held our market back is we've had five or six years of pretty rough weather, pretty rough springs, especially getting started where where we've had a lot of rain and we've been above average rainfall for the last six or seven years until this year. So our market has been somewhat muted because of that. And then since last September, call it, we were probably up 10 to 15 percent at the end of 21 and would probably easily be 10 probably pushing 15 percent across the you know the mid-south in 22 and uh, but i think we will see over the next 12 months that this these high quality properties you know give or take plus or minus three to five percent of where we're at now but i think what we're going to start seeing and i think interest rates are going to drive a lot of this um is from from the local buyer perspective is uh, if you can't buy that farm at a discount or something discounted from today that uh, 10, 15 percent, they're just not going to buy it because the cost to develop those farms and the time it takes to bring that farm back around are just too great. So I think you'll start seeing, might start seeing some no sales or some uh, some lower prices across the Midwest, and that'll filter down to the Mid-South. You'll start seeing maybe prices adjusted down and, and I don't think it's so much of the market adjusting down as that the price that the market's going to price the farms right, so we can't afford to buy them, develop them, and, and, and create those good properties. Now beyond that, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, kind of where this thing turns. If if we see prices turn down 20, 30 percent, then we might see some some pullback. But there's so much capital out there that's looking to deploy. You know, from institutional investors that right now, you know, they're not, they're not reliant, or they're not, you know, relying on borrowing money. So that's going to keep, you know, a lot of interest. One thing that's uh, going to keep a lot of interest too is just sheer lack of supply or, or limited supply on the market. If you look right now um, in the market, there's, you know, there's a number of recreational properties on the market. Um, some price too high, but a number of recreational properties, but very few, you know, almost pure farmland plays uh, out there for sale, which is it's more the, the arena I play in most of the time. 
Because we're seeing something similar here. You hear me okay? Yes, sir. And that uh, during the transition, you know, our land prices, uh, and we're not a huge farm area. We are in this, you know, we're kind of at the foothills of the uh, Blue Ridge in southern Virginia. So, uh, you know, we're Christmas trees and pumpkins and, and uh, cabbage and, of course, corn and soy. Uh, and yes, course, But uh, our land prices in the last boom uh, didn't really affect us in this area. And when we went down, it stabilized. And now it's gone up. Stuff that we were selling for three and 4000 an acre, you know, we're averaging probably seven or eight, and it gets crazy. We're getting some. I'm, I've been afraid, Teresa, and I've been afraid to put price on property, afraid we're going to leave money on the table. But, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but the yeah, other. I've made a few offers on properties that, uh, that I was, you know, within three to 5% of the asking price, but the market was changing so fast the sellers pulled it off the market for fear of missing that next five to yeah. five hundred to a thousand dollar run in the market yeah now that's and we were i think since muted because of these interest rates have changed a lot and we, uh, we were even getting a lot of things but uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see I know. nonetheless but you know if we have like i said earlier if you get you know interest rates rise a little bit more income put costs you know stabilize or increase and you have any other problems and then market uh, commodity prices fall 10, 20 percent, and yields fall, you know, 10 percent or more. It, it could lead to some real issues, and then I think it would uh, it probably get people, even the investor community, pull back a little bit and kind of sit back and, and look for just those premium properties. Well, it's- you also have to look at other alternatives you know, as well as you know, with prices and current interest rates. Maybe they can go earn. Four or five percent in CD and, and park that money for a little while and see, you know, if maybe they can take advantage of some market volatility come in the next three, six, eight, fifteen months down the road. So there, there's just a number of factors that uh, go into every decision. There's always plenty of factors. Now there's all these externalities that you have to consider as well. Well, our inventory is is is. Uh, I mean, I used to keep. Believe it or not, I've had as many as 218 listings. <laughs> but, um, you know, the last several years, up until the last two years, I usually kept anywhere from 40 to 60 land listings, uh, you know, from the acre lots up. Uh, but uh, I, I've sold them all. I think I've got 13 listings now, and it's hard to find. But one thing Teresa and I are, are, are suggesting to landowners is if you do want to liquidate, especially these estate holders, it's where we get a lot of our uh, inventory from, uh, family estates, uh, is now's the time to put it on the market because uh, while we've got a little window here, uh, we may not see that for a while. Do you kind of agree with that concept? Well, I think you're exactly correct. If, if somebody's been thinking about it at all, now's the time to, uh, to venture into that market, and especially if you have the, the higher quality stuff. People are definitely – there's still a lot of interest out there. See, I, I had uh, – well, I sold some property for solar uh, to a local cooperative just recently, or well, say recently, earlier this year. And I've never had to work as hard in 29 years as I did uh, this year to, to find two replacement properties to fill that bill. Um, and they were all off-market deals, um, but it was it was a challenge, but rewarding when we got it when we got the uh, order filled for our clients. Uh, to to take care of that 1031 exchange, but uh, it was a challenge to say the least. I'd never, like I said, never had 
put that much sweat equity into a transition over 29 years for that. So what advice would you give the real estate industry out there as, as land brokers? You know, uh, I, think, I think it's up to us, you know, maybe not to become a specialist in every area, but to explore all these different areas, you know, from solar, understand really how interest rates are impacting the market, understand, you know, the appraisal process, understand the marketing process, understand you know, what, what property management means uh, because think collaboratively, you know, we can all work together to, to you know, refer, refer, be referral sources for each other. So I think it's uh, continuing education. I mean, you know, after I kind of had, when I did my continuing ed- education, but I didn't go beyond what I needed to do for a number of years. But over the last four or five years, I've seen the need to, to continue to educate myself as a professional, be more involved, be more proactive and really understanding because our clients are demanding it. And if we're if when they call and we can't provide that level of service, they'll go down the road. You know, it maybe it's another member that can serve them better, but more than likely it'll be somebody that, uh, that probably can't serve them better and won't serve them better, but will try. So I'm, I'm just trying to educate, educate myself better every day and to better serve my clients and you know, the best way I can and, and know how, you know, work hard, honesty, trustworthiness, and, and educate yourself and, and keep plugging away. Yeah, you know, one thing I'm getting out of this show today, George, and you, you're a fabulous guest, and we appreciate you being on because uh, the information that you're sharing with us this morning uh, is invaluable and timely. Uh, but what I'm seeing is, um, sounds like to me, Teresa, we need to locate a good property management company in our market area and, uh, and join hands because I think this is one of the things that we're trying. In our company, we're, we're, and there's three of us, we're three partners, uh, uh, we're trying to figure out how we're going to make a living in the next two years. And... Um, and these shows and people like you help us a lot, believe it or not. But uh, with just uh, maybe a couple minutes left in your show, um, how would you like to sum up your, your uh, conversation today, this morning? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to come on and share a little piece of, of me and my little part of the world. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I just, I just enjoy this, this uh, industry immensely I enjoy the relationships I've made with people all over the country, you know, through both RLI and ASFMRA. And I think there's a lot we can do to collaborate together and continue to work together. I can tell you most of the experiences I've had professionally, whether I'm buying, selling, or managing properties, have typically come through partnerships or collaborations or friendships, um, you know, through these organizations that, uh, that we're all you know, grateful to be a part of. So that's one. Now, do just continue to observe the market and what's going on out there. It's, it's easy to get into our own little silos and, and think that, that we know it all or think everything is just, you know, is perfect. And, you know, in our little two to two to five state in some cases or two to five counties in other cases and really not understand what's going on in the world. But this is truly a global ag market anymore, and we need to be 
constantly aware of how all these externalities are impacting, you know, our business, our landowners, the investors out there that we work with daily. And it's just really, and then continue to educate yourself as a professional uh, to let's deliver the best service we can because uh, the clients demand it. And if we don't provide it for them, they'll get it somewhere else. So uh, I'm just been doing this for 29 years and I hope I have 29 more and excited about the, what, what tomorrow brings. Well, I join you that. I've done my license since 94, so we we're on the same page. But um, Exactly. You, you've been a great guest today, and, and we appreciate you coming on. You're welcome to come back on any other time. How do our guests get in touch with you, George? Yeah, please feel free to reach out me at, at, to me at any time. Uh, my phone number is 901-483-0373. Uh, can be also reached by my email. It's gbaird. G-B-A-I-R-D at landmarkag.net. Like uh, Jewel said, that's Landmark with a K. You can also go to my website, www.landmarkag.net, and uh, feel free to reach out me at me anytime. If you're ever in the Mid-South and, uh, and want to look at the properties or grab some barbecue or, or just stop by for a visit, I'll be always happy if, if I'm here and not chasing the, chasing the solar deal or a land deal down the road. All right. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'd love to know if you like the show. If you have any questions or comments, you're welcome to contact us. Uh, we welcome those. Uh, and, Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot mylandpro at gmail.com. And my email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My telephone number is 336-669-1405. We'd like to thank our sponsors, landhub.com. For all your real estate needs around the nation, landhub.com is the place to go. And our other sponsor, AcreValue, if you want to know who owns the field down the road or what sold last year, the best place is to research land, and it's all free, is acrevalue.com. Ronnie, how do they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go and email us at wkte1090.yahoo, and they can also download the simple radio app. How simple is it? Pretty simple, isn't it, right, Teresa? Easy. Easy peasy. Uh-huh. You're chewing gum, Teresa. Uh-oh. Shame, she's smack, shame. She's smacking it, too. Yeah, she's going to be popping bubbles here in a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And what kind of music do we play, Teresa? Happy music. That's right. You want to be happy? All the time. And what kind of music is that, Rodney? It's beach and oldies. Beach and oldies. Yes, the feel-good music. Oh, boy. And we won some couple of awards, haven't we? Yeah, seven years in a row being the top uh, beach and oldies radio station on the East Coast. How far is that? Uh, Do you go to Mississippi? Uh, yeah, this side of the Mississippi. Oh, but with the simple radio app, you yeah, go we worldwide. Go worldwide, yes, universe, right. The universe? Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, we got to look at the quantum side. That's of right. <laughs> and you won a nice award. Yeah, the Reader's Choice Announcer of the Year Award. Well, wonder why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, we appreciate you joining us this morning, and have a blessed day. God bless.